The Tennis Gambling Podcast and the Sports Game Podcast in is brought to you by Hall of Fame Bets, the sports bet research platform for parlays, player props, and game lines. Download the Hall of Fame Bets app or visit hofbets.com. Use code SGPN to get 50% off your first month and start making smarter bets today. We're also brought to you by Cut. Cut is a peer-to-peer social betting platform that's U.S.-based and legal in 40 states. Head to cut.com, that's K-U-T-T.com, and use promo code SGPN to get 10% to get a 10% deposit bonus. We're also brought to you by the SGPN NFL Playoff Challenge, sponsored by Edge Boost, free to enter, and $20,000 in Edge Boost deposit bonuses up for grabs. Enter today at sportscampockets.com slash NFL Playoff. And welcome, everybody, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast here on the Sports Game Podcast. Now, it is currently Friday, January 12th. Number host, so is Scott Rochelle, once again, going solo for this pod. Should be a short episode, only two matches to talk about, because we have the final in Adelaide and the final in Auckland. So we're going to preview those two matches, the matchup between Draper and Laheshka, and the matchup between Daniel and Tabilo. So we're going to talk about both those in a second. Before we get into any of that, do want to recap what happened in the last episode and talk about some overall tennis news over the last day or two. Starting off with the Lock and Dog picks, overall decent once again, ended up splitting. Feels like a common trend here. Bit of a weird start to the year for us because the locks have not been very good, but the dogs have been fine. So we've kind of been breaking even in most of these episodes. Uh, but as for the lock, ended up losing with Fees. Had him to win in straight sets against Tabilo at minus 135. Wasn't close as Fees actually lost in straight sets and a pretty surprising upset. As for the dog, ended up winning. We had Draper to win in straight sets at plus 110 against Bublik. Not the easiest straight set win, but he still got the job done 7-6-6-4. So props to Draper for getting us a nice plus money winner. So once again, another chop. Hopefully we'll sweep here on Friday. But I also wanted to briefly get into some news in general. Uh, Starting off with a retirement that I forgot to mention in a previous episode. We ended up seeing the end of the tennis career for John Millman, who ended up not making it out of qualifying. I believe he lost to Mulcan, I want to say, in straight sets in Australian Open qualifying. And as a result, he ended up not making the main draw. And that's the final match of his career. So Millman had a fun career. Can say that he won a ton of titles or had a ton of phenomenal moments. But he had a couple in grand slams, mostly against Federer, where he had those two very, very well-known battles against Federer, including a victory against him in the U.S. Open, which was a very fun match, which I believe he won in four. Point is, Millman was always a pretty good Australian player, always kind of lived in the shadow of other Aussies. You had Dimenauer, you had Kyrgios, so Millman was kind of the forgotten decent ATP player, but still, he had a nice career, was pretty long, and he had a couple of nice moments in Grand Slams against Federer, but still, point is, he's officially retired, and I wanted to at least mention that since I forgot to mention that over the last day or two. Besides that, Australian Open qualifying has officially wrapped up, so we do have the official main draw ready. I'm not exactly sure if we're going to be getting any last-second withdrawals. We probably will, uh, but we'll see what happens. Either way, with the conditions, was an issue once again in Australia for qualifying all the outdoor courts because ended up seeing a couple of retirements, dehydration issues, etc. The injuries are going to happen no matter what uh, when you go through qualifying, so I'm not really talking about injuries in general, but there were several dehydration concerns, and you saw a couple of players withdraw because of it or potentially not withdraw but get absolutely buried uh, when they tried to resume the match, which is always unfortunate, but it's Australia, and you're used to seeing this. At least it's no longer an issue with the center court because it used to be the... Uh, situation without the roof before they added it a long time ago. And I still remember a lot of marathon Australian Open matches being really just painful to watch for some of the players because there was no roof and the heat on court 
was, or the temperature on court was like 110, 112. It was a lot to handle. And let's just say I'm happy I wasn't playing in the Australian Open back then. But still, point is, wanted to mention that qualifying is officially over. So the main draw is set. If you want to do some brackets, if you want to do uh, any type of future betting, now is the time to start looking at it. I will be previewing the Australian Open, though, tomorrow. Uh, since the draw is already done, uh, but the point is I wanted to mention it, that qualifying is officially over. But that's basically it. The only other point I wanted to mention, which is something that I kind of forgot to mention uh, earlier in the week, but I am going to mention it now because Pagula ended up not showing up for her, for, uh, for her match in Adelaide. And I wanted to bring it up because I feel like it's a very good question that I just completely glossed over for the entire week. Why is there a WTA 500 right before the Australian Open? Like, I just think it's kind of a weird scheduling spot. The ATP is a 250, so it's not that important. There's not that much prize money on the line. I know it was kind of surprising Rabakana, after dominating last week, decided to show up again for another tennis event, which he ended up losing in. Uh, but still, it's not the point. The point is, I think she lost to Vendrosva, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but the point is, I do want to point out that it is a bit weird to have a WTA 500 event, a pretty substantial event. I know 1,000 is, of course, the most important non-Grand Slam events, but still, a 500 right before with the heat in Australia feels like a pretty dumb scheduling decision, and I just wanted to mention that as well. Not really any overall takeaways uh, just in order to have how to fix it besides maybe moving it or making it a 250 or something, but a 500 is pretty weird. And I wanted to at least mention that because I know I don't cover women's tennis that much on the show, but I at least wanted to uh, discuss it because I just found that relatively fascinating. Besides that, though, don't really have much more to add. By the way, it was Alexandrova, uh, not Vendrosova. So my bad. It was Alexandrova who ended up beating uh, Rabakina before losing to Ostapenko. But I wanted to mention the weirdness of the 500 because you ended up seeing Pagula not show up for a semi, a semi in a 500. Like that's kind of the issue you run into with Australia because you've seen a lot of players, uh, if they don't have it or they're a little bit injured, they're going to quit because there's more prize money in the Australian Open. So there's no real incentive to play hurt trying to win this particular event. But for a 500, that's really weird. So I wanted to mention that, but either way, point is that's going to do it for the actual news. Time to move on to the match previews. And we're going to start off with the matchup in Auckland taking place on a Friday night. You have a matchup between Tabilo and Daniel. Bit of a surprising matchup. You have two Cinderella's here. Uh, you have Daniel as the favorite at minus 135. You have Tabilo at plus 115. As for the game spread, Daniel minus one and a half games is minus 105. Tabilo plus one and a half games is minus 115. Uh, the over-under in games is 22 and a half. Over is minus 120. Under is plus 100. Uh, you can also look at the set wagering. Tabilo to win in straight sets is plus 260. Daniel to win in straight sets is plus 175. Over-under in sets, the over is plus 125. The under is minus 155. So both players, once again, not exactly expected to be here. Giving a shout-out to Daniel, though, because once again, he did cash us the quarter uh, the quarter bet, which was about plus 650. So he did us a solid. Tabilo, I am shocked, is here. But he's been dominant. In fact, he's only dropped one set, which was the first main draw match that he played in, where he played Gojo, came back from a set down. He's been good ever since. Beat Dezanshulp, was fortunate that Nori ended up withdrawing, uh, so he got a bye there, but beat Fees, who was a big favorite, so a nice win there for him. As for Daniel, he's beaten a lot of good servers. Beat Vukic. I know Vukic had a decent run midway through the hardcourt season last year, mostly in, uh, I'm trying to remember, I think it was Atlanta he made the final in, I think. But the point is, he made a respectable run in some of the hardcore events. Unfortunately for him, though, the, la the end of the year didn't go well. 
and they might have carried over into 2024, but still a good server, and Daniel did beat him in straight sets. Then beat Purcell. You know, I'm not a fan of Purcell, but a server and volley game can be a bit tricky to deal with if you're not familiar with it. Then he ended up beating Moore in three. Probably should have won in straight sets, blew a 4 nothing lead in games in the second set, but came back and won the third, and then beat Shelton in straight sets, 7-5, seven, 7-6. Seven, Very entertaining breaker, very entertaining match, but simply put, Daniel was able to just use Shelton's impatience against him, and Daniel was able to really just wait out a lot of long rallies with Shelton before Shelton did something stupid and kind of hit an unforced error. But it worked out for Daniel, and Daniel ended up advancing to the final. Now, I am going to mention the actual uh, title history of both players because Daniel has won a title before. It's been a long time, though. He has not won a hardcore ATP event in his career, did win in Istanbul, on clay back in 2018, and Tabilo has never won a title on the ATP level. He made a final in Cordoba back in 2022, but he has never won an actual title. So he's trying to make history here. Surprise run by him as a qualifier, and we'll see what happens. But for the sake of this matchup, I think it's going to be a very interesting matchup because Tabilo is a lefty. He can serve and volley a bit. His serve solid. The Power on his strokes is not always evident, but the point is he can kind of vary the pace on the shots, but it's mostly this lefty serve, which is unique to deal with, and the fact that he can show off some really underrated net skills. I believe he's the first Chilean ATP player to make a an ATP final since, I want to say 2008, which I'm assuming is Gonzalez. I have to assume it's Gonzalez. Like, I'm trying to think of who else it would be, uh, but the point is Gonzalez was a very, very fun uh, tennis player back in the day. Really incredible forehand. And I do think that you're looking at a spot where uh, maybe he's going to try to make history for his country. We'll see what happens. But Fernando Gonzalez, of course, is a well-known tennis player if you've been following tennis for a long time. And yeah, I think he's the last guy to actually win a DP uh, event on hard court for the Chileans. So maybe that'll change. We'll see what happens. But the point is, once again, I could be wrong, but I'm assuming so, because that was kind of in the middle of his prime. So I'm assuming that it was uh, Fernando Gonzalez. But still, uh, point is, I do think for this matchup, Daniel does have a bit of an advantage uh, with the experience. He's been on tour for a lot longer, but I do think he has an advantage with the overall opponents he's faced in this event, because Daniel did face off against Vukic, a good server. Purcell's a servant volley guy, which actually should help him with dealing with Tabilo, because if you're not familiar with with uh, Servant Volley tactics it, uh, tactics, it can be a bit tricky, and it did seem like Fees was a bit flustered dealing with the Servant Volley approach for some of that match, uh, but he also beat Shelton, who's a very good server. So I think Daniel, once again, can get this done. Now, Tabilo has the ability to kind of pull the string on the forehand a bit, and he can hit a looping shot uh, for forehand or on both wings, which can limit the unforced errors. He might maybe try to outweight Daniel in a decent amount of rallies, but that's kind of playing towards Daniel's strength. So I think Daniel is actually in a good spot to win this, in my opinion. Uh, I think it's going to be a very tricky match anytime you have two Cinderella stories complete, uh, competing for a title in really any sport. It's tough to predict which player is going to show up more than the other. But I do think Daniel's experience will pay some dividends, and I do think that his just solid serving gauntlet throughout this event is going to help him prep for a pretty underrated server into Bilo. And I think Daniel's got an edge here because he beat Shelton, once again, beat Purcell, who does serve in volley, and he also beat Vukic. It's a pretty good collection of, I don't want to say practice partners, because that's kind of disrespectful to the guys he beat in this tournament, but it's solid preparation 
for this matchup. So I think I am going to link to Daniel in the spot. Now, you can make the counterpoint that Tabilo did face off against a decent amount of, uh, I'd say, overall ralliers that do not exactly possess much firepower. And you're not wrong. Uh, I mean, Dezanshulp does have some firepower. You can argue that his rallying is underwhelming at times with the unforced errors. Fees is good, though. That was a very nice win, and Tabilo kind of won that comfortably, despite the last game. Serving it out was definitely not easy, but most of the match was. But I'm going through the actual schedule of who, of uh, or the path that Tabilo's had. What got through qualifying, beat Gojo. Good win there. Gojo had a pretty good solid, uh, solid run in the U.S. Open, and I like him as a player, but overall he has not really made much noise in the ATP level. Beat Dezan Shulp, who I think we can agree is a bit of a head case at times. Had a walkover against Nori and beat Fees. Fees a very good win. I've given Fees props. Once again, I picked him to win in straight sets and was brutally wrong. But I think we would agree that Daniels probably had the tougher path here. Uh, so I do think looking at the overall matchup, I'm going to lean to Daniel in this spot. I've been a big fan of his game in this event. It seems like his overall patience behind the baseline and his ability to deal or cope with good servers should prep him well for this matchup. Give me Daniel to win his second career ATP title. So I'm going to lean to the minus 145. I'm going to lean to the over in the match, though. I'm not saying it's going to be easy, but I do think that Daniel should be able to win enough of these big points. Maybe to be low is going to be extra nervous because he has never actually won an ATP event in his career. So we'll see what happens, but I am going to lean to Daniel to get the job done in this spot. Now, moving on to the next match, you have Laheshka against Draper, which is a really fun match based on how these players have been performing so far in this event. They've both been really, really dominant, so it should be entertaining. Uh, but Draper is a big favorite at minus 175. Laheshka is plus 155. As for the spread, Draper minus 2.5 is minus 115. Lezka plus 2.5 is minus 105. As for the over-under, 22.5 games, over is minus 110. Under is minus 110 as well. As for the actual set wagering, you can get Draper to win straight sets at plus 140. Lezka to win a set is minus 170. And Lezka to win in straight sets is plus 325. Match to go 3 is plus 135. Match to end in 2 is minus 165. So to go through... The actual, but I forgot to mention that uh, I don't believe that da that uh, Daniel and Tabilo have ever played against each other before, so there is no head-to-head -head data to draw from. Wanted to mention that, but I think I forgot to do so. But they've never faced off against each other, so there is no data there. As for the other matchup, though, to go back to the Draper matchup against Laheshka, to look at the head-to-head -head between them in their pretty young careers, they have also never faced off against each other. And similarly to Tabilo, there will be potential history in this match, but unlike the Tabilo match, it will automatically be history because neither guy has won ATP title. So we're going to be seeing the maiden title, for either Draper or Laheshka, which should be a lot of fun. Once again, means that nerves can be an issue maybe early on in this match. Uh, but to look at the actual events in their respective careers, both guys did make a final. Laheshka did make the final in Winston-Salem. I might still be salty about that final because we picked him to win the event, and he lost to Baez after Korda ended up withdrawing and gave him a free path into the final. I'm still salty at Laheshka for that, but the point is Laheshka did make a final last year. Draper did the same as he ended up making a final in Sofia before eventually losing there. I believe it went three sets his match, but he ended up losing. I'm pretty sure Laheshka got buried. Uh, by Baez in that final. But the point is, both guys have never won a title on, at this level, so it should be a fun moment for either one of these guys. But for the sake of the matchup, I do think Laheshka has been really good. But as you know, if you've listened to this podcast for the last year, 
Well, Hesker is a guy that I do think comes up short mentally in big moments. And to go through his path so far in this tournament, he's been very impressive. Ended up beating Walton, who's a relative unknown Australian guy, but still a win nonetheless. Beat Lahovich, who's always tricky, in three sets. Beat Jari in straight sets. You can argue that Jari shouldn't have been there because Arnaldi should have beaten him the previous round before having a massive choke job. So, But he won there, not Laheshka's problem, won in straight sets. And then beat Korda, 6-2-6-1. Look, I, I know that I called Laheshka a bit of a head case. I can't stand Korda. I hate that damn guy. He is just such a mentally weak player. And I feel like I got to at least mention this to segue to Corda for a second. I know that I've had a lot of, I don't want to say disdain, but I've been low on Dimitrov for the last couple of years because he was viewed as being a future top five guy when he was coming up, thought he was going to be a future Grand Slam winner. And then he proceeded to not win a single title on the ATP level from 2018 to 2023. Having said that, at least he had a moment where he showed flashes and at least he was able in this case to finally get over the hump and to show that he does have some mental resolve. I think all of my hatred or I'd say displeasure in following Dimitrov and watching him underachieve has been officially removed from him. It has been taken off of his back and it has been firmly placed onto Korda because I can't stand that damn guy. Like he kind of encapsulates all the issues that I had with Dimitrov for several years, except Korda is viewed as being the potential face of American tennis. And that's a serious problem because he's so mentally weak that I just, I assume he's going to choke at every moment. And it seemed like Korda kind of packed it in to circle back to the Laheshka a matchup he had there in the semis. 6-2-6-1. Give me a break. Like That's that's just a complete no-show. You can argue that he went down early, then started mentally thinking about the uh, Australian Open, but, I mean, damn, man. I, I mentioned that I kind of leaned to court on that match because I thought he had more upside, but either guy I thought was capable of just completely no-showing because of their lack of mental toughness. I can't stand Korda. And it's probably worse for Korda because his, his father was a player too. So his father actually won a Grand Slam. Yes, there might have been some steroids involved, but still. Point is, I do think that uh, Korda is my new, I don't want to say least favorite player, but Dimitrov has officially been removed from the ban list or from the uh, roast list from me. Because at least he finally won a title and he's shown that he has top 10 upside, especially in the last couple of months. I can't stand Korda. That's my brief segue there, my brief rant on Korda. And I'm sure most of you agree with me, because betting on Korda is never easy. It's always a pain in the ass. And you hope that even if he looks good for 90% of a match, you know he's capable of blowing it at any moment. And that's why he's definitely a psycho that I don't want to back in the future. But anyway, props to Laheshka. He looked great. And I feel like after struggling early on in the United Cup, taking a set off of Djokovic kind of renewed his confidence and that has propelled him to a deep run here in Adelaide. As for Draper, he's been very good. He's been dominant with the exception of one match. Beat Baez in straight sets, killed Baez. Uh, beat Kekmanovic in a war, three hours and 39 minutes, but he won that one in three. And there were no ill effects of fatigue there because he beat Paul comfortably, who was the one seed in the event, 6-1-6-4, and then beat Bublik, 7-6-6-4. Draper, I like a lot. I think Draper, if he was healthy, would be one of my favorite players to bet on in the entire ATP. I think that he's a very talented, very solid up-and-coming British player who should, if he stays healthy, be a member of the top 15, top 10. The problem is he's never healthy, which is the real issue that we run into when we look at Draper because we know the talent is there. We know that the upside is there. 
But the issue is that his body betrays him all the time. Now, luckily, I'm hoping, knock on wood, that he's done some changes maybe to his exercise program or his diet so maybe injuries won't be as common. For example, we saw Djokovic have a lot of injury issues early in his career. He was constantly withdrawing for matches. Then he changed his diet. I believe he found out he was allergic to gluten, and that was kind of the turning point of his entire career. But the point is, I do think that Draper doesn't have that big of an upside as the greatest player of all time. But Draper, I think, does have the ability to be a really solid threat on the ATP level for a long time. And I do think that, once again, if his body can stop betraying him, and if he can improve the stamina... His upside is really, really high. So to go through the actual uh, match once again, I do think that Draper is the better player. The question is, do I think minus 175 is a little bit too steep? It might be. Laheshka has been really good. You can argue that this match is pretty close. Now, I do think Draper is the more mentally tough player, which is why I do think he's going to win. But I do think Laheshka can make it interesting. Laheshka's a good server. I think he definitely can showcase his firepower. And I do think he can keep Draper on the back foot for a lot of this match. And Draper might play defensively. Now, the problem with that for Laheshka is Draper's pretty comfortable playing defensively. And the running lefty forehand can give def- uh, can give opposing players problems. And we saw that be the case in that Tommy Paul match where he had a couple of really nice passing shots on big points with the running forehand. But for me... I expect a very competitive, a very fun match, but I do think I am going to pick Draper here to get the job done. You might see a breaker, you might see three sets, but I've seen Laheshka in big moments come up short, and I don't even mean like close. I mean he's been dangerously short, where it feels like the moment's too big for him. We saw it against Murray, for example, last year, where he had, I think it was five match points, it was 40 love serving for the match early last year and he blew it and eventually lost the match there, and I think a third set tiebreak. But the point is I've seen Laheshka choke before in some big spots. Now he has uh, his second chance to win ATP title after basically no-showing the first one against Baez in the greatest dream spot imaginable where he had a bye in the semis, and I'm pretty sure Baez had a war against Chorich in the previous round, and then you saw Baez kill him in the final. Draper lost at a competitive three-set match, and a match I believe he was a dog in. So I'm not going to roast Draper for losing that final in Sofia. I have more faith in him mentally. Give me Draper to get the job done. I am only to the over, though, but I do think that the team total for Draper at 12.5 at minus 130 is a solid option, and that will be a lean of mine for this match. That's going to wrap it up, though. So once again, I am going to lean to the favorites here. I am going to go with Daniel, and I am going to lean to Draper. But the value for Draper is a bit tricky. I... Don't know if I want the games because I can see a lopsided set for either guy in this in this uh, match. So we're going to see how it plays out. But I do think Draper's going to win. The value is probably on Laheshka based on the money line price. But I'm going to go to alternative options in order to back Draper, which I might mention in the Lock and Dog picks. But that's going to wrap it up, though, for the actual match previews. And now it's time for the Lock and Dog picks. But for any of that, kind of a quick word from our sponsor. We're proud to announce the SGPN Playoff Challenge. EdgeBoost is the first bet now pay later provider that enables you to double your bet at any sportsbook or DFS site with no interest. The contest is bankroll style, and you start with 10,000 virtual units. At the end of the playoffs, the biggest bankroll will win credit into higher advanced limits from EdgeBoost. The winner gets a top, the top three get a deposit match from Edge up to $2,500 with no interest or fees, and the top 25 will get a deposit match from Edge up to $500 with no interest or fees. Sportsgampodcast.com slash NFL playoff to enter. The sportsgampodcast.com slash NFL playoff. 
We're also brought to you by DraftKings. DraftKings, the official sports book and the official sports betting partner of the NFL playoffs. And it is bringing you an offer that will help make the playoffs electrifying. New customers can bet 5 bucks on any game and get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Whether you want to end up taking the Steelers plus 10 maybe, or if you want to take the Bills minus 10, or if you want to go to maybe Matt Stafford's return to Ford Field. A lot of options that you can definitely bet on at DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code SGP. New customers can bet just $5 to get $200 instantly in bonus bets only on DraftKings Sports with code SGP. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-467. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888 888- Seven eight nine seven 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 seven, or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash football for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gambling resources. We're also brought to you by Game Time. I don't know about all of you, but I personally love to attend sporting events in person, and it used to be very difficult to actually find a ticketing platform that I could trust, but that changed once I found Game Time, because Game Time is the fast and easy way to get tickets without the stress. Game Time is great for buying tickets for sporting events, music, comedy, and theaters near you, and they also have a great feature that I do love, which is the Images of Seat Views feature, which will show you the exact view that you're going to get if you end up purchasing a specific ticket. So before you actually spend money without knowing what view you're going to get or if the view is going to be obstructed, it will give you a preview so that it will never be an issue for you ever again. But Game Time is also the fastest growing ticketing uh, app in the country for a reason. Get images of your seats before you buy, so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Buy tickets in a matter of seconds, two taps, and you're set. Tickets are sent directly to your phone, so you never have to dig through your email. Side tickets without the stress with Game Time, perfect for the NFL playoffs. Download the Game Time app, create an account, use code CFBX for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply again, create an account, redeem code CFBX for $20 off. Download Game Time today, last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. We're also brought to you by Cut. Cut is a peer-to-peer social betting platform that's U.S.-based and legal in 40 states. Peer-to-peer social betting is a new and better way to bet, but directly against your friends or other users on sports, politics, pop culture, and other events with verifiable outcomes, and a ton of social features that give it the feel of a betting social network. Cut also offers low VIG and fully customizable odds so you can create your own bets. Cut handles the payment side of things, so all you have to do is place your wager and never have to worry about chasing anyone down for money. They also have great social features, group chats, betting leaderboards, head-to-head history, etc. They also have rewards. Get cash back every single time you bet against your friends or other users. Head to cut.com. That's K-U-T-T.com. Use promo code SGPN to get a 10% deposit bonus. We're brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Underdog Fantasy has a way to play alongside your favorite fantasy players all season long. NFL, NBA, NHL, college basketball, and college football. Simply pick higher or lower on your favorite players' fantasy stats and cash in. So watch along, make your picks, and maybe make a little money over Underdog's mobile app or website, underdogfantasy.com. And remember, when you sign up, use the promo code SGPN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. It's Underdog Fantasy, promo code SGPN. We're also brought to you by Hall of Fame Bets. Win bigger by betting smarter this end of all season with Hall of Fame Bets. Sports betting analytics platform for parlays, player props, and game lines. Research every NFL, 
NBA and soccer bet with historical stats and data. Enter any parlay idea, no matter how ridiculous it might seem, into Hall of Fame Bets' revolutionary parlay optimizer tool to get hit rates broken down by leg, as well as an expected probability for the entire parlay. Sort all players by hit rate for any bet to learn which players are hot and which picks have value. So stop betting in the dark and join over 30,000 users researching with Hall of Fame Bets to craft more intelligent, data-driven parlays. Download the Hall of Fame Bets app or visit hofbets.com. Use code SGPN. You can 50% off your first month today. Start researching, start winning with Hall of Fame Bets. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast. Just finished previewing the final matches in Adelaide and in Auckland. Now it's time for the lock and dog picks. Starting off with the lock, I am going to go back to that Draper and Laheshka match, and I am going to go with Draper team total over 12 and a half games and minus 130 as my lock. Simply put, I do think Draper is the more reliable guy in this match, but it's not going to be easy. Like, unless Laheshka totally no-shows this match, I do think he's good enough to either take a set off of Draper or potentially push him to a breaker or a 7-5. We've seen Draper have a couple of competitive sets so far in this event. He had a 7-6 set against Bublik last round. We saw him go to three separate 7-5 or 7-6 sets against Kikmanovic, and I do think Laheshka has the serve and the overall game to make life difficult for Draper at various moments in this match. Now, I am picking Draper to win, in my opinion, because I do think that, once again, he's the more mentally tough player, but I'm not going to ignore Laheshka's recent form. He's been very good in this event. He's been in some good competition, but I know that Jari and Korda can be mentally weak at times, and I do think Draper is one of the more mentally tough young players on the tour. The issue, once again, is durability with him. So for me, I think Draper's going to be able to win one set, 7-5 or 7-6, and at that point, you're in good shape. Or the match goes three, and you probably get there anyway. But give me Draper to win at least 13 personal games in the team total at minus 130 as my lock. For my dog, I am going to go back to the Tabilo and Daniel match. This match could really go either way, because I didn't even mention that Tabilo was actually in a really long, in the middle of a long winning streak, because I believe he won a challenger event right before entering this tournament and qualifying. So he's been in phenomenal form. Daniel, though, has been some very good servers, so I think you might end up seeing a pretty interesting balancing act here. But I think as a result, I am going to go with the over two and a half sets in this match at plus 125 as my dog. It's a matchup between two Cinderella stories, could go either way. Daniel's shown. Very good resolve and patience in the rally game. Tabilo, I do think, has a unique play style. And the fact that he's a lefty can throw Daniel some unique looks with the serve, especially the kick serve out wide. So I do think that can be an area where Tabilo can exploit Daniel early in the match. But I think you're going to end up seeing a war between two guys that are really trying to win a surprise ATP title. And I do think that you're going to see this match probably go a very long way. So give me the over two and a half sets as my dog at plus 125. So once again, the lock and up picks of the show. The lock is going to be on Draper. Team total over 12 and a half games at minus 130. The dog will be on Daniel and Tabilo over two and a half sets at plus 125. That's going to wrap it up for this episode. Find me on Twitter at Red Show Radio. Find me on the NBA show, the NFL show. And when the season starts, the MLB and the WNBA show. But until then, once again, we'll be back tomorrow to go through the Australian Open. Long preview episode. We're going to be doing the quarters, the overall outrights, the whole nine yards, and we'll go from there. But until next time, good luck to all of you and all of your bets. Bye, everyone.